Let's turn to all things tech. It's a Tech Tuesday, and Carmi Levy, our tech expert, is here. Nice to have you. Good to be here, John. This reminds me of something somebody once said uh, about, uh, they said it's, I forget what they were comparing, but they said, it's like drowning. Stop struggling. It'll be over soon. Apparently, we're going <laughs> to love AI. Yeah, uh, Microsoft says we're going to. Now, you have to take this with a grain of salt because Microsoft, of course, had they've invested $13 billion in OpenAI, the folks who brought us ChatGPT. So they've got a lot at stake to ensure that AI takes off. But they they uh, did a survey uh, and the report is pretty significant. They say that for every dollar a company invests, they get three and a half dollars back for 5% of all companies that make investments. That's $8 for every dollar they invest. So lots of money to be made on it. Most companies are making their money back within just over a year. Uh, most of them are, in fact, making their money back in less than a year. And they're saying that uh, that uh, companies are really focused on not replacing people in their jobs, but helping them do their existing jobs better, boosting their productivity, making them more efficient, allowing them to do more value-added work because they're spending less time on the administrative stuff that everybody hates. They can leave that for the AI. So it paints a really rosy picture of companies that are using AI now that they're getting some really great benefits out of it. But again, because this is Microsoft and they're in that business, you sort of have to know where the source is. Yeah, maybe they've already been taken taken over by AI. Exactly. Maybe we'll never it was know. an AI-run survey. Yeah, we'll never know. UK Prime Minister, meanwhile, is uh, painting a pretty bleak picture of the future of AI. Yeah, they held uh, something called the AI Safety Summit in the UK last week, two-day summit, 27 countries and leaders of some of the biggest AI and technology companies in the world, including Canada, Francois-Philippe Champagne, our innovation minister, was there. Uh, and uh, and basically, they, they wanted to gather everyone around the table to talk about the risks, talk about what the world needs to do to minimize the risk and maximize what we can get out of it. And so Rishi Sunak uh, got up, and as the keynote speaker at the UK PM, he said, uh, the risk of AI is the same as that posed by a pandemic or nuclear war, which kind of got everybody's attention. And I think that was the intent. Here you have the biggest AI summit of the year, uh, the first of two. There will be a couple more over the next year. And he's trying to get everyone's attention, basically say something show-stopping uh, so that we'll stop, watch, and uh, and and listen to the guy. And so uh, is, the, is AI actually going to cause another pandemic or nuclear war? No, I don't think so. But I think he needed to underscore the risk that we need to do something and we need to get everyone around the table. The interesting thing was China was there, in, in, you know, among other countries. U.S. wasn't very happy about it, but China agreed to be part of that dialogue going forward, which is pretty notable considering you and I have talked fairly frequently about this country using cyber insecurity, investing in technology to sort of throw everyone else off their game. Now they're saying they're going to play nice on AI. So fast fascinating event, uh, and it certainly got everyone's attention. Yeah, I don't know if there's any way that we're in real time going to understand what AI holds for us in the future, Carmi, because it reminds me of that famous uh, cartoon sequence where this guy's on a runaway um, steam locomotive and he's throwing down track immediately in front of the locomotive as they go. I think that's probably the perfect analogy. This, you know, compared to past technologies, it is, it is advancing significantly faster than anything we've seen in history. The implications of it will go much further than any other technology that we've seen. It's like the industrial revolution or the digital revolution only on steroids. So you're right. We're never going to get ahead of this. But what's important and the reason that we have summits like this, have this kind of dialogue is we've got to get everyone in the same room to at least start talking about it to, you know, at least get us as close as possible 
accessible to the edge, even if we're never going to get there directly. Let's talk about social media. And we have a former Facebook employee testifying about safety issues at Instagram. What kind of safety issues? Uh, that uh, they know that their product, that Instagram, because it's a very visual uh, uh, platform, is harmful to the mental health of young people. Remember a couple of years ago, Frances Haugen uh, testified in front of Congress and basically said she was a former Facebook employee, and you know, essentially, you know, she was a whistleblower. She said the company knew that this, these it was causing mental health issues, and they did nothing about it. In fact, they made it worse. Now, uh, his name is Arturo Behar, and he is a former Facebook engineer, and he. He actually now consults with Instagram with their well-being team. So he knows a lot about sort of what the company has done. He spoke to the Wall Street Journal uh, and he said that the company has that uh, more than 20% of users under 16 feel worse about themselves after they see posts on Instagram uh, and 13% of them have experienced unwanted sexual advances in the past seven days and the company is not doing enough about it. So essentially he's going to take what Francis Haugen started and he's going to build on it. And I've been watching this guy online. He's got a lot of stuff on YouTube. Very compelling speaker, very respected in the industry. And when he speaks, people listen. And this is going to be a thunderbolt, just like Francis Haugen's testimony was. From Facebook to X, the platform formerly known as Twitter, uh, reportedly, <laughs> you got to explain this to me, soliciting people to buy recycled user handles for $50,000. What's that? So earlier this year, the company sent out a note saying that, you know, if you haven't logged into the service in a while, they're going to take your account name back. Uh, so in other words, you, you've got to use it. Uh, otherwise, they'll, you know, you're going to lose it. Uh, and so now they're, they've put together something called the the handle team. And what they're doing is they're reaching out to, according to Forbes, they're reaching out to individuals who's, uh, or they've taken them back. And now they are trying to sell them for upwards of $50,000 a piece, uh, hoping that anyone else will buy. This is yet another one of Elon Musk's schemes to raise money because, of course, no one advertises or no one legitimate advertises on the platform anymore. So he's got to generate revenue. The company was $44 billion when he bought it. That's what he paid for it. Uh, as of a couple of weeks ago, it was $19 billion and sinking. So he's desperate for money. He's doing a lot of desperate things. Uh, and now he's reselling things that, you know, millions of people abandoned months ago. And I'm really not entirely sure why anybody would pay $50,000 for a Twitter handle. Um, you know, this is a, a platform that is clearly in decline. Uh, and, uh, and I just don't see the value here. If you're a company, you really don't want to be associated with a dumpster fire, even if the admission price is free, let alone 50 grand. Yeah, I know. I mean, 50 grand. I don't even I pay for the blue check. I really I don't <laughs> want to put a penny in Elon Musk's pocket. And you're right. I spend less and less time on Twitter because it was already a cauldron of seething anger. And now mm -hmm. it just seems to be seething anger, lies and nonsense. Exactly. And also he's uh, he, you know, the uh, online safety team, the moderation team has been uh, cut literally to the bone. So you can uh, you can you, you, you can see a piece of misinformation. You'll file a report. And I do this periodically just to see if the process still works. And it doesn't. Nothing ever comes of it. The content is still there. Nothing is being done to address misinformation, toxicity, stalking activity on the platform. And so you, you sort of you look at all these things together holistically and then you, you think of, 
who, you know, if you're a company leader, would you spend that kind of money on a platform uh, where your brand could appear next to this kind of negativity? Uh, you know, the short answer is 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 no one that I know. Uh, and certainly I don't see that being a thing going forward. It's probably only a matter of time before Elon Musk comes up with another scheme to try to raise money. This will be normal until either, uh, you know, X formerly Twitter implodes completely or Elon Musk, Musk decides he wants to go buy another shiny object. Man, he could buy MySpace. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Thanks, John. That's Carmi Levy, our tech expert on a Tech Tuesday.